Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Rebecca F., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Wednesday, January 18, 2017. Today we are reading from the big book, and we are in the doctor's opinion on page Roman numeral XXX, the second paragraph which begins the classification of alcoholics seen through four paragraphs ending with the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. Today's readers are Lisa H., Anita L., Amanda R., Eileen M., and Devora S. Our newcomer greeter is Susie K. The reference number for Tuesday, January 17, 2017 is 9489. 9489. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who through shared experience, strength, and hope are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions, neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose, OA's fifth tradition states, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is, that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Lisa H. to read the 12 steps of OA. Good morning. This is Lisa H., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater from Tennessee. Here are the 12 steps. One, We admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. 10. Continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. 11. Sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him. 
praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. Twelve, having had a spiritual awakening as a result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Pass. Thank you, Lisa H. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 Traditions of OA. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia with the 12 Traditions. One, our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. Two, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God, as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants they do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive eater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. Ten, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues. Hence, the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. Eleven, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, films, television, and other public media of communication. Twelve, anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and with that, I pass. Thank you, Anita L. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our abstinence requirement for moderators is one year and for readers is six months. There is no abstinence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone, except the speakers, should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book in The Doctor's Opinion on page Roman numeral XXX, 
the second paragraph, which begins, the classification of alcoholics seems through four paragraphs ending with, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. We will be focusing our comments on any or all parts of this reading for the entire meeting this morning. I will now ask Amanda R. to get us started. Good morning. This is Amanda R., and I am a recovered compulsive overeater in Maine. The classification of alcoholics seems most difficult and in much detail is outside the scope of this book. There are, of course, the psychopaths who are emotionally unstable. We are all familiar with this type. They are always going on the wagon for keeps. They are over-remorseful and make many resolutions, but never a decision. There is the type of man who was unwilling to admit that he cannot take a drink. He plans various ways of drinking. He changes his brand or his environment. There is a type who always believes that after being entirely free from alcohol for a period of time, he can take a drink without danger. There is the manic depressive type who is, perhaps, the least understood by his friends and about whom a whole chapter could be written. Then there are the types entirely normal in every respect, except in the effect alcohol has upon them. They are often able, intelligent, friendly people. All these, and many others, have one symptom in common. They cannot start drinking without developing the phenomenon of craving. This phenomenon, as we have suggested, may be the manifestation of an allergy which differentiates these people and sets them apart as a distinct entity. It has never been, by any treatment with which we are familiar, permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. So that's where the reading ends. Um, I feel a little bit like I'm I'm commenting on like one of Shakespeare's plays. There's like that much in here. Um, but I love this section. Um, so I'll just take like the, the big obvious uh, stuff, or at least obvious to me, um, from from my experience in this, um, which is that uh, once I have identified myself as a compulsive overeater, as a person who has this physical difference, once I start eating my binge foods, I just want more and more and more, and I can't stop till it's all gone. Um, and you know, and I have experienced that no matter how much I want to stop and stay stopped, it just doesn't work. I keep going back. So, you know, once I identify in and say that is me, that's that's a good, great start. However, the disease wants to come up with all sorts of reasons why, well, maybe I'm not one of these people after all. Maybe this doesn't apply to me. I mean, because like honestly let's face it this this program in the beginning at least can be inconvenient it can be uncomfortable it can take up time that i would rather be using to do i don't know what but um 
it would be much the as we say the easier, softer way. I'm like, oh, maybe maybe I don't need this program after all, and all the you know all the excuses that are laid out in the first three paragraphs here they they come up. I'm like, well, maybe I you know maybe I don't need it. But the truth is, I have to go back to what it says in the fourth paragraph that you know I am set apart. I'm different from other people in terms of the effect these foods have on me and the this particular difference is never going to go away uh there is you know by any treatment with which we are familiar has is never been permanently eradicated um and so okay well what then well then we say uh the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence and you know that that means getting really honest with myself with my sponsor being um complete saying you know it doesn't matter how far down on the ingredient list this food is it doesn't matter how long i've been abstinent it doesn't matter this it doesn't matter that i'm allergic to these things and i may not like it but there is there is freedom in working this program that comes after the initial struggle to make it through steps 1 through 9 and the freedom is is much greater than any happiness i ever got from sitting in a fast food place eating two or three of their meals um and then going to the next fast food place um that's all i have to say thanks i pass thank you amanda r so before I open the floor for names of people who want to share, I just ask you to um, be um, patient with me. And I'm going to write down a name and say it so that you know that I heard it. And then I'll write down a name and say it. So if you're talking in the meantime, I'm probably not going to catch it, just to give you a heads up. So Charles H. would like to share. I heard Charles. Larry. H, Tim and G. I wrote that down, and Harlan I heard G. Larry, Nicole P. and I wrote that down, and I heard Tina Tim. S. Okay, do you get it? That so far, all I have is Charles, Larry, and Tina, Tina S. G. And I heard Harlan G. Tina S. And I heard Harlan G. I didn't hear whoever that was. Harlan G. I think I heard Sue G. And I wrote that down. Raquel. I heard Raquel. Yeah, Raquel. Something Craig F. I heard Craig F. Or F. Melissa. Melissa C. And Melissa C. So um, that's such a long list. Why don't we just go with those? Charles H. Larry K. Kim G. Tina S. Harlan G. Sue G. Raquel E. Craig. S or F, and Melissa C. And I think I might have heard Nicole. I know there were others, but I didn't catch the name. So I'm putting Nicole on the bottom. Charles H., go right ahead. Thank you, Rebecca F., for your service. Charles H., a recovered um, compulsive old reader. And, and by the way, I'm sell- selling instructions on how to star one exactly. No, I'm just joking with y'all. I know how to do it. I'm, I'm a sick puppy. Um Charles H. are recovered compulsive overeater. There's so much spiritual surgery in here um, to dissect. But um, 
I could tell you for a long time I was definitely the psychopath uh, who who was emotionally and is emotionally unstable, always going on the wagons for keep. I love that saying throughout the big book. Um, you hear it all in the stories, in the third edition stories, and I love it. Um, they are over-remorseful and make many New Year's, I mean, many resolutions, but never a decision. I want to stay on that now, and, and then I'm going to go to the um, the manifestation of an allergy, <laughs> um, phenomenon of craving again. Five times in this doctor's opinion, we're going to hear that. But so you mean to tell me, Rebecca, I can't have a little crack, just a little bit? I can't have a cheat day? I can't save my points? I can't? I can't? You? I mean, no middle-of-the-road solution? No yellow light foods? No crazy eating behaviors? You know, because I tried all those things, and, and, and that diagnosed me, and I love how Joe and Charlie breaks down these five characters, you know, so I, I forget about I'm not normal, man. So I'm not even gonna talk about five. And I could be uh number four too, because stuff in here that I do is not explained in this book. I'm just that crazy, right? And I tried the geographics and two, I tried to move away, but I went with where I went. Um I, I just can't I just can't um it's we the only relief we have to offer is entire abstinence. And that means the entire abstinent compulsive non-compulsive behaviors too, whatever it is. And that's, this is where I need to really develop my food history. This is what I did with it. This is what I try to do. All that stuff, all that stuff I try to do. I'm emotionally unstable every day, every day. Yo, you know what? It's so great to be, I got my mojo back. I got it back because God said, yo, speak on this, speak on this. And you know what? I'm going to lock down with this because there's so much people that want to stay. You know, every day that I didn't speak on the line, I put a notch on my belt. I felt like, God, oh, I didn't say anything. I'm superior. But I was sick, emotionally stable. I got my mojo back. I'm not saying I'm going to speak every day, but when God speaks to me, I'm going to move, and I'm going to be entirely abstinent every single day working this program. And Nicole, I tell you, I started working with her Sunday, last Sunday on a treadmill. She is on her resentment inventory now in seven, seven or eight days. We can't play with this disease because I don't know about you, but I'm emotionally unstable. I need to get this medicine every day. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Charles H. Larry K. Hey, Rebecca. Thanks so much uh, for your service. Larry K., recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So here, you know, we read, um, it has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And, you know, for me, acceptance, I'm not going to talk about the classification so much, but I'm just going to talk about acceptance. Um, You know, the opposite of acceptance, of course, is denial. And um, by acceptance, you know, we don't mean thinking all is well, you know, that's approval. But rather, you know, all is here. All is already here. And, and, and I don't need to like the thought or the situation in order to accept it. You know, like it or not, I can still accept that this, this situation is what it is here. And, you know, and it exists. It's already here in my life. And, and I'm going to have to work and go forward with that situation. And it's a higher degree, this thing of acceptance of, of these, this, that I am what I am here. It's a higher degree of letting go 
it's kind of like an exist, existential decision um, rather than just a type of behavior. It's, a, it's more of a, a philosophy of life. You know, it's a considered attitude in the world of, in the unfolding of, of, of this situation. So in letting go, there's an idea of giving up. You know, we stop fighting. I stop fighting who I am. In acceptance, there's an intention to remain present in action. But differently, though, with, you know, with lucidity and calm. And, and each thing that arrives, you know, I begin by saying, yes, yeah, here it is. This is who I am. This is the situation. It's already here. So, yes, it's a sincere and total receptiveness to reality as I see reality here. That's acceptance. And, it, you know, it, it teaches me, it's kind of like acceptance teaches me to follow the path, the best path to get where I want to go. And this path isn't always a straight line. It's like a mountain walk. You know, I'm trying to walk in a straight line up the summit of the mountain here. You know, and, uh, and, and you know, if I try to walk in a straight line, that's a bad idea. Instead, I'm going to follow a path that winds my way up the mountain slopes without abandoning the idea of getting to the top. You know, I accept the slope and the roundabout path, and I keep climbing upward. And, and in a similar fashion, you know, this, this undertaking can be successfully done, conducted only through the path of acceptance. I have to accept who and what I am. And if it says entire abstinence, I can't play around with that. I'm going to have to walk up the mountain slope in a roundabout way. But it starts, I'm not even going to make an attempt to walk up the mountain slope in a roundabout way if I don't truly believe I am what I know that I am, if I haven't accepted it. I'll never see this, see this process through. So grateful with that. Thanks, and I'll pass. Thank you, Larry Kay. Kim G. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, all. My name is Kim G, and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. You know, I'm just going to talk. I know everyone's going to go crazy on tire abstinence, so I do want to kind of talk about these different types because I have to tell you, my intellectual brain wants me to figure out what type I am. I just want to caution you on that. I think sometimes we try to make ourselves very special. That's why I love our format that says, you know, for unity, let's just all call ourselves compulsive overeaters because we'd like to separate ourselves. You know, we have 100-pounder meetings. You know, I mean, you're critical level, compulsive overeater. I'm bulimic, and then bulimics we try, and I'm, I'm one, you know, like, oh, well, I, I, I didn't throw up. I used more exercise. Well, I use more laxatives. We have anorexics and obesity and yo-yo dieters. And I, I want to caution you because what that does when I think I'm special, that means I can do the directions differently. That means I don't have to do what you do or my, my program is special. Who cares what type you are on that page? You know, in, in AA, they have 40 questions to tell you if you're an alcoholic. And in OA, we have 15 questions. But gratefully, in the big book, we only have two questions. If we go to page 44, it says, if when you honestly want to, you cannot quit entirely. So ask yourself, can you be abstinent for any period of time comfortably? Or if when eating, you can have little control over the amount you take. So ask yourself, when you ingest certain foods, ingredients, or behaviors, can you reasonably predict how much you're going to have? And it says, if you have one or the other, you're probably an alcoholic. You know, I think to myself, you know, I have friends that, tell me that once they open up a bag of Doritos, they have the whole bag. And I say to them, well, what do you do about that? And they look at me like I'm crazy. Like, well, I just don't open up with a bag of the Doritos. So maybe they have the allergy, but they don't have the mental obsession. 
You know, I also have a friend that loves chocolate, has that chocolate every day, thinks about it all day long, comes home, she has one Hershey kiss. And I've seen her face. She gets that off feeling, but she gets satisfied. So she has this mental obsession, but she doesn't have the allergy, so she can have a piece of chocolate and be okay. In fact, a 30-pack of Hershey Kisses may last her 32 days because she might forget to have one one day or another. I'm going to postulate where the individual says, or if it says, and, you are a compulsive overeater. And if you are a compulsive overeater, it says, if that be the case, you may be suffering from an illness which only a spiritual experience will conquer. And in this doctor opinion, we've been taught two things. If you have the allergy, the only solution they have to suggest is entire abstinence. And if you have the mental obsession, the only solution they have to suggest is an entire psychic change. So first, you have to address the allergy. All those foods, ingredients, behaviors must be down. And then we must absolutely go through all 12 steps to address the mental obsession. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Kim G. Tina S. Thanks, Rebecca. Tina S. Compulsive Eater, anorexic in uh, Florida. Uh, ditto on the last share. You know, um, I love that it says the classification of alcoholics seems most difficult in in much and in much detail outside the scope of this book. And you know, and I too, uh, reading the big book, uh, initially thought, well, you know, I'm not this, I'm not that. I tried to, you know, identify out. I was certainly not identifying in. But what I couldn't uh, from really looking at was that uh, that I of myself, you know, I could not start eating without that phenomenon of craving, create phenomenon of craving starting, you know. And so then I was off to the races, you know. What I also found out that I I couldn't stop from starting on my own. That was not happening, you know. And you know, and I love that it talks about, you know, by myself I'm screwed. It doesn't say exactly that, sorry. But I need a power greater than myself, you know, because lack of power is my dilemma, you know. And the only way, for me, the only way that I'm willing to be open-minded enough to something bigger than me, you know, the only way is to be be entirely abstinent. You know, because if I'm just a little bit, Tina's got a better plan, you know. And, And once this happens, you know, once this happens for me, then I'm ready to go on with the rest of the steps. I am completely defeated. You know, I'm open to a new way of living. You know, I believe something bigger than me can restore me to sanity. You know, I'm going to make a decision. I'm going to do that inventory. I'm going to tell somebody. You know, I'm going to be entirely ready to have these removed. You know, I'm going to humbly ask God. I'm going to, you know, make a list and be willing to make amends. And I'm going to do the amends. And then I'm going to one day at a time take care of this business when it crops up and not if. And what a gift. What a gift. And grateful to be here. Thanks. Thank you, Tina S. Harlan G. Thank you, Rebecca, and thank you for your service. Thank you to Team Wednesday for all your service as well. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. Can I be heard? Rebecca? You can be you okay. can be heard, Harlan. Okay. Okay. All right, thanks. It says here they are always going on the wagon for keeps, and that was me. They are over-remorseful and make many resolutions, but never a decision. And in Chapter 5, I'm going to be told that Step 3, which is the formal terms of surrender, is both a decision and a beginning. In other words, what's he alluding to here? 
They are not taking the steps. Now, I'm going to go back here to page 30 because page 44, which is also what I was going to go to first was page 44, but Kim already did it. But on page 30, it says here, we learned that we had to fully concede to our innermost selves that we were alcoholics. And what is an alcoholic? An alcoholic is defined by the physical allergy and the twist of the mind. This is the first step in recovery, the delusion. What's a delusion? Something that appears real but is not. That we are like other people are presently maybe has to be smashed. We alcoholics are men and women who have lost the ability to control our drinking. We know that no real alcoholic ever recovers control. All of us felt at times that we were regaining control, but such intervals, usually brief, were inevitably followed by still less control, which led in time to pitiful and incomprehensible demoralization. We are convinced to a man that alcoholics of our type are in the grips of a progressive illness. Over any considerable period, we get worse, never better. There's something else here I want to address briefly in the three minutes that I have. It says here the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And one of the things I hear over and over and over from people that call me is, you say I'm powerless, how am I supposed to put the food down? Yes, I am powerless. But I'm not helpless. I can get to a meeting. I can make calls. I can, I can do what I need to do to reach out for the couple of days. And then I can start working the steps and hopefully have a spiritual awakening as a result of those steps. And if I have a spiritual awakening as a result of those steps, which is inevitable if I take the action, the desire for that food will just not be there. This works. This works. But if I'm still eating, it will not do anything. I cannot have a spiritual awakening while my stomach is full of Almond Joy bars and Kit Kat bars. If all the food did was make me fat, it wouldn't be the worst thing. It's the things that it does to my mind. It clouds me and it alters me and I do not see reality. So when he says the only thing we have to suggest is entire abstinence, he's not kidding around. I have to put down the food. And with that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan G. Suji. Hi, good morning. This is Suji. Thank you for your service. Um, I am manic depressive, and when I talk to other people, and I'm, that makes me emotionally unstable. Um, when my depression, when I talk to other people um, with depression, and especially deep depressions I have, there's something weird that goes on in the head, and it doesn't take having that first bite to have the mental obsession take over. I've yet understood why when um, when my depression lifts, uh, right now I've been in one for quite a while, and I've been struggling with my food. Um, when 
I remind myself that I have conceded and I listen to God. I don't pick up. But when the depression is bad and there's some reason I don't understand it, but there's some reason why I cannot listen to God the way I would normally listen to him. And I really have to struggle and white knuckle and uh, and I've picked up, but I don't overeat. I mean, I, it's just something that's different. Um, I haven't binged in I don't know how long, but when the depression is bad, I have picked up something that um, twice in the last year and a half, I picked up something um, last year that has some sugar in it, and sugar is a, something that I don't eat. But it has so little in it, and I had one, and that was it. Uh, I'm looking for someone that will understand depression and work with me a little bit, um, because I don't like being like this. Um I know I have to put it down completely. I know I have to concede. And there was a time uh, in January, or at the end of December, I think it was, that I conceded that I was a compulsive overeater and I could never be the same. But when that brain takes over, even even though I haven't picked up anything, um, I'm not off to the races. I just don't listen to God. And then, but I don't want more. It's just, um, people might say that I'm not ready for program. Um, That's not what my sponsor says. But I think the the best thing that happens for me is when I was, while I was sponsoring, and I still have one gal. Thank you. Um, With that, I pass. Thank you, Sue. And you might want to leave your phone number at the end of the second hour. Raquel E., you're next. Hello. Hi, everybody. <laughs> Can you hear me? I hear you, Raquel. Thank you. Thank you for your kind service. Wow, this, this is a paragraph. Empower abstinence. Ah, I like those descriptions, you know, that say, okay, so the alcoholics also, they just uh, cannot drink alcohol, but they can drink other things. With us, let's not kid ourselves. It's a lot more complicated and needs an awful lot more honesty and nothing doing until I got real honest that for me, the mere act of bringing my hand to my mouth and chewing when it's not a meal time and it's not exactly what I have committed, which is very strict, I'm off. And it's it, it just the, the, the cunning, baffling, and powerful is probably tenfold more with the food. And I don't know anybody that can really uh, uh, tell somebody else what to eat any more than what to think. 
but that's what I have to, had to come to terms with and to concede to my innermost self that even within the, the, the fellowship, I had to put myself here in my home for eight years, a month, and six days to be able to arrive at the abstinence, at the, that what is for me entire abstinence. And, and I don't regret any day of the difficulty that it was for me. And uh, so now I, I, I at least stand the chance of doing the rest of the work, of doing the steps, of doing 10, 11, and 12, and offering what I have to only those who really concede and those who are smashed enough to know that this is life or death. Because for me, it is not a joke that you wave a stick at, you go away. To me, the, the image of it, of really conceding, is like the, the, the way it, it says there, that if you lost your legs, you're not going to grow any new ones. But it's okay. I can do an awful lot of other things, provided that I really accept this. But I, 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 I'm, how does, it, does the doctor say? I don't hold with those. I don't hold with those that for, for is the same as for the alcoholics, because I, I've, I've had an AA sponsor and I've had an NA sponsor, and all of them say, in comparison to what uh, what you have with the food. What we have is a Sunday school picnic, and that's that's what I hold with. But I'm very grateful for the program, and and I'm very grateful that God helped me get this far to really accept accept that I will never be like everybody else, and to not even strive for it and stay out of situations that can bring me and depression. I uh, I have what to say uh, at the end of the meeting. I like take the person. Yes, I would like to speak with the person who spoke before me about depression. 38 years on antidepressants, and now with the program, it's been since 2010 that I haven't taken any, and I feel better with it than ever. Thank you so much for being there. I love you all. Attest. Thank you, Raquel E. Craig F. as in Frank. Thank you. This is Craig F. Can you hear me? I hear you, Craig. Great. Uh, this is Craig F. I'm a recovered compulsive eater in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and I, um, I want to respond to their talk about the the line that says uh, that he made a mini resolution but never a decision. That that line can be kind of dangerous for a guy like me. Um, it, it has to be uh, interpreted and understood in the context of the whole book. See, I, I made a lot of resolutions and I made a lot of decisions, and but the the resolution was, uh, and the decision had to do with self will. I, I I would decide I was going to eat right, and I decide I would decide that I was going to uh, be abstinent, but I didn't decide that I was going to surrender, and I didn't allow that decision to become action, and. You know, if taken in the context of the whole book, you would have to understand that that's what they that that's what the writer meant. The writer meant that he made a decision. I, I think, in my opinion, he made a decision. He, he needs to make a decision to surrender, and in that surrender, it implies action, and the action is to uh, proceed in the steps and uh, to get to recovery. It didn't doesn't mean that I made a decision 
to do this on my own or to do this without surrendering to a higher power or surrendering to the process or surrendering my will. And uh, so for a willful person like me, that, that line is can be a tripping point. And uh, I just wanted to share that, and uh, that's it. Thank you for your service, Rebecca. Thank you, Craig F. Melissa C. Hi. Good morning, Rebecca. Good morning, everyone. It's Melissa C., recovered um, compulsive overeater in New York. And, um, you know, the um, the different classifications of the different type, um, you know, I can see myself in none of them on any given day, and I can see myself in all of them, you know, on a better day, um, a more honest day. And, and really what grabbed me this morning was um, the resolution, you know, made many resolutions and never a decision. And, you know, when I think about the word resolution, it's a re-solution, you know, it's re-solving. And that's me. That's thinking I'm going to be the um, the one that's going to solve this. And, you know, and, and there's something um, psycho, you know, that the psychopath, I didn't like that word, but when you think about the word and when I break it down, you know, it's, it's crazy thinking. It's sick thinking. And that's what resolutions were for me. They were sick thinking and that they were fantasies. You know, I made resolutions so that I could excuse my behavior because on January 1st, I'm going to be this new person who's going to put the food down, who's going to go to the gym, who's going to do all these incredible things, but hey, may as well keep eating today, you know, and so my whole life was January 1st or Magical Mondays, and those were resolutions, you know. The problem is that January 1st came, and it was really hard for me to, to put the stuff down. And sometimes I could because I had really resolved to do it. Um, but it didn't last long because the obsession of the mind would sneak back in because um, I certainly wasn't, you know, recovered. And, um, you know, hey, my husband's birthday is the end of January, so I'll just have a treat there. And then, you know, I'm triggered because, um, I have the allergy of the body, and that there is no solution for. And so, you know, the, the difference between um, a resolution and a decision, um, the decision is to um, let go, absolutely, to um, give myself over, to have a transformation. Yeah, putting the food down is just as uncomfortable when you make a decision as it is when you make a resolution. And that's been my experience, that just because I decided to turn my will and my life over to God, you know, until I was through the steps and recovered, it wasn't comfortable. It didn't feel good. And, um, you know, and I'm glad to hear that other people are saying that's when you um, really grab hold of all the things that are available to you, of course, prayer. But, you know, the tools are there as well because it is difficult. This time in January, if you made a decision or a resolution, you're uncomfortable. You know, you are, um, but hopefully you're working the steps, you know, and that offers a promise because like all of the um, people, thank you, um, we have to put it down and we have to recover. Thank you. With that, I'll take Thank you, Melissa C. Nicole, I didn't catch your first initial of your last name. 
I'm Nicole, and I'm a compulsive overeater. The first initial, Nicole? Yes. The first initial of your last name? Um, P. D. Go right ahead. Okay. Um, um, I want to start off with the bottom of the first paragraph we went over. We are all familiar with this type. They are always going on the wagon for keep. They are over-remorseful, and many make resolutions, but never a decision. That was me. I, for a long time, I would talk a good game, and I would say, oh, yeah, I'm, I'm going to surrender, and I'm, I'm going to give my life to God, and I'm going to make sure that I do whatever he says, and I give it up, and I give him everything, and it sounds really good. The problem is I never did it because I didn't believe what I was saying. I was doing it to please my sponsor, and it's like, you know what, that person has recovered. You're not supposed to do it for me. You're supposed to do it for you. I still had this mentality because I was holding on to resentment, and it hit me because I just went over my step four. I was eating food as an F you to all the people I was pissed off at. But what <laughs> what really hit me last night was how I was killing myself proving anything to anyone else. Because that's what this disease does. It kills. It doesn't care that I'm a woman. It doesn't care that I'm young. It doesn't care whether I am successful, whether I'm poor. It just, it kills. And that was sobering. I was looking at my drugs and saying, I want more of that because it will solve this problem and that problem. And just the lies I believed. Um, there's a type of man who's unwilling to admit that he cannot take a drink. That was me. I thought that my willpower alone, because, you know, Nicole is the center, Nicole needs the attention, Nicole has that she runs the show. Um, well, I thought that I could, with my willpower, just rid of, get rid of it. It's just like what my sponsor, Charles, always tells me. Um, if you if you could do it that way, why are you in over your dismemberment? And I'll I got an attitude. I'm like, excuse you? Who do you think you're talking to? And it's like, you know what? He's telling me the truth, and I only get mad at the truth. I never get mad at the lie because I can live with the lie. That's how I've been living in the food. Um, There's always the one who believes that after being entirely free from alcohol, after a period of time, he can take a drink without danger. That was me. I was the ultimate restrictor. And when I came in program, I took it as a diet. I When I first saw the threefold, I was like physical, emotional, and spiritual. I was like, well, I know one of them will be my focus. And so I just ran with the physical because that was easy. I could restrict. I could still lie and, and do my willpower and still make it about me. And the last one, uh, it has never been by any treatment with which we are familiar, permanently eradicated. The only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. It wasn't until I looked at myself and I realized Time. And I, that I prayed. Oh, thank you. Um, well, I wrap it up by saying I thank God that he says I'm enough. And because he says I'm enough, I no longer have to eat my drugs. And with that, I'll pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nicole P. <clears throat> we have time for two or three more shares, probably. Who else would like to share on Nessa R. So I'll take one more and Nessa maybe we'll o. get Marie B. Ross G. Okay. 
I'm going to take Vasa O, who I think may have tried to speak up earlier, and maybe you others did too. I apologize. Leanne, and your first initial. Uh, w, can I be heard? Yes, hi, Leanne. Okay, W. My yep, my name is Leanne W. I'm a recovered compulsive reader from um, Massachusetts and grateful to be here. And I really wanted to look at this um, situation. There are many situations which arise out of the phenomenon of craving which cause men to make the supreme sacrifice rather than continue to fight. And what really struck me about that is if I look on page 50, I believe it says that um, really have we found men who have, and I don't have it, um, who have not um, been able to um, keep abstinence as long as they thoroughly follow the path. And so for me, being a recovered compulsive overeater, I need to thoroughly follow the path of this program. I need to continue to fight. And it's a simple program, but it's a difficult program. And so uh, what struck me about that is I just went through a very difficult situation, and I had to do 10 steps on this um, this situation because the desire to eat was sort of like a mental obsession. I was so uncomfortable and yet I would continue to do the 10 steps. I'd write about it. I'd make calls. It would, you know, I'd, I'd say the seven step prayer, it would be lifted. And then all of a sudden, for some reason it came back. I continued to work my ass off with this program because I knew that if I didn't continue to do this work, if I didn't thoroughly follow this path, that I would surely pick up again. And what I did realize, um, it has been listed, and I'm so grateful, but each time I made a call, each time I did a 10-step, each time I continued to pursue and just push forward and not pick up my drugs and continued to practice the program, it weakened and weakened and weakened and until finally it was completely gone. And I'm so grateful that God brought me through that experience Obstinately, so that I could come out to the other end and I could truly have growth. And it has just been such a powerful experience because in the past, um, I would have picked up and I would have remained sick. And today, I am so much better for it. And so it's just that first statement of continuing to fight, continuing to work, as uncomfortable as it was, continuing to pursue and, you know, and work this program has been a lifesaver. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Leanne W. Tessa R. Thank you, Rebecca. Good morning. Vision for you. This is Nessa R. Recovered in Toronto, Canada. Um, in addition to my binge foods and my binge ingredients, I, I'm also um, addicted to certain binge behaviors, like um, eating in volume. Um, I'm not only triggered by the usual suspects, but you know, I can binge on anything as long as I eat enough of it. Um, you know, baby carrots, boiled chicken. Um, if I eat in large quantities, I want more and more and more. Uh, another behavior was start chewing. So I was constantly, every time I went on a diet, I was constantly chewing um, sugar-free gum. And I resisted giving those up with all sorts of rationalizations, reasons, that I told myself, why that I told myself why it was okay for me con to continue doing it. Of course, it's just baby carrots, it's vegetables. Any nutritionist will say you can eat unlimited amounts of vegetables. 
um, you know, any any reason. Same thing with the same thing with the gum. And what this justification tells me um, is, don't find reasons to exclude yourself. Yes, these are drastic measures that we have to take here. But if you are one of us, don't try to identify out. And these paragraphs tell me. Um, don't identify out. If you are, you are, and there's no, no use hiding from it. Um, you know, but I didn't want to give those behaviors up. I didn't want to give my foods up. I didn't want to weigh and weigh and measure. I didn't want to give up sweeteners because, of course, sweeteners are calorie free. Um, but you know, once I was taken to the big book properly, to the doctor's opinion, especially, I realized, you know, the only one I'm fooling is myself. Um, if uh, the one thing that these uh, classifications have in common is nobody can start eating without developing the phenomenon of craving. And if that's the case, the only solution is entire abstinence, not almost abstinence. Uh, something I hear in the rooms is I, I have sloppy abstinence or I have imperfect abstinence. It's entire abstinence, 100%. It doesn't matter if sugar is the first ingredient or the hundredth ingredient, if I say I'm allergic to sugar, then I cannot have it. There's no, there's no, there's no place to hide, you know. Um, it's not difficult to fool a fool, and the only fool I'm fooling is myself um, if I rationalize out of having to do these things. Um, you know, somebody with a peanut allergy will not say, well, you know, peanut is only the sixth ingredient, so it's okay for me to have it. That, that would be crazy. That would be crazy. Um, and the last thing that I want to say is that the doctor um, says in five different places in the doctor's opinion, uh, he emphasizes how abstinence is the starting point. And it is so important he repeats it five times. Um, this reference to the only remedy we have to suggest is entire abstinence. This is the third, the third reference. Um, so if it's so important that it's going to take up um, uh, five times to, right. to repeat it, I better, I better listen to it. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Nessa R. Vasa O, you will be the last person to share this hour. Go right ahead. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Thank you, Rebecca, for your service. And I'm grateful recovered compulsive reader calling from uh, Florida. Before coming to my program, I did not know what I did not know. I made a lot of decisions and resolutions how to put the food down and when I was going to do it, and I could never stick with it because I used my own power and my own willpower. I did not have what I have now in the program. I was really afraid when I came to the program and I learned I had a disease. It was terrifying, and I remember saying, like somebody said to me, it's a drug. You know, we have the allergy, we have the disease, and it's going to kill us if we continue doing what I, what I was doing. And that was so true. I didn't, I didn't need anybody to convince me. I saw it in myself because with the, the body allergy, when I took the sugary things, I could not stop it. I mean, I could stop for a while, but the mental obsession would come back. I could stop maybe for a couple of days or maybe for one week, but the mental obsession would always come back, and I'd say, oh, maybe I could just have one this time. And 
It never worked. It never stopped that one. But for me, it is acceptance. I have acceptance. I have that body allergy, and I have that mental obsession. If I did not do what's laid out in this book, it was just going to kill me. And for me, it was the, the only relief we have to suggest is entire abstinence. And for me, it was also volume food, you know. And for me, my abstinence is three meals, nothing in between, and no sugar, no flour. And, and surrender, surrender to the, do this three steps. I can't, he can't, and I will let him. And I threw myself in this program, and I'm just so grateful. I've been one day at a time, as Pompa said. I said, how am I going to do this? She said, one day at a time, and it has gotten me 30 years, one day at a time. I don't even count the days. I used to count the days at the beginning. Now it's just a way of life. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa O. Well, thank you, everyone who was on the line today, either listening or speaking up or trying to get in to speak up. I And for those of you who volunteered to read or stepped in at the last minute, and Devorah S. for being in the wings if we needed you, um, I just appreciate everyone's uh, exuberance, enthusiasm, and um, service. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Eileen M. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only to the end of the page. Hi, I'm Eileen M., grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater in New Hampshire. Can you hear me? Yes, Eileen M., we hear you. Thank you. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you. Until then.